Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Tuesday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me. And uh, one, I'm going to play you our interview from the radio show yesterday of Mike Bianco. It's just Richard Cross. So God bless you. You got to hear that clown uh, interview Mike Bianco. But besides that, um, it's pretty good. So uh, you get asked or you hear Bianco get asked, you know, just thoughts from the weekend, player health, pitching performances, stuff like that. So I'll play that for you coming up here in a little bit. And I've got some thoughts uh, for you as well, just about the weekend and, um, you just have to be feeling really good right now, right? I mean, right now, you guys have to be feeling pretty damn good. If I had to guess, sitting on the other side of this microphone is a bunch of people that are really satisfied with how things are going with their athletic department right now. Before we get into any of that, though, the show brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. It is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And uh, this week, we got a little cold snap coming in, so let Greg do the cooking for you. Uh, just stop by and see him for one of their daily lunch specials. Tell him uh, that we sent you there, here from Super Talk, that we sent you. And this weekend, when it gets much nicer for Easter weekend, I don't know about you guys, I'm cooking for Easter. And so I'm going to get that started at LB's, and you should do the same. Easter Sunday, 73 and sunny. Just a beautiful, beautiful day coming and so if you're going to cook like I am, get that started at LB's. Also, don't forget to follow me on all the social media platforms, including my YouTube channel. Uh, just search my name, and uh, you can subscribe there. The morning live stream is uploaded there, and uh, having a lot of fun doing that. Don't forget also to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and leave a rating and a review. I was thinking about this. Uh, I was having a conversation with a buddy yesterday just um, about all the stuff that people don't really pay attention to it was kind of centered around your women's basketball program and I mean we talked about this last week I think or at least I did with you guys is uh um basically you guys haven't really cared um about your women's basketball program and in part, it's due to – sorry, I got distracted there for a second. Sorry, just completely, completely lost my train of thought. I don't know how, but I did. Anyway, um, you guys haven't really cared, and it's really mostly been their fault, but it's just not a program that uh, Ole Miss fans have paid attention to. But if you're now starting to pay attention, um, you know that you have a coach that took over a disaster – and is building a pretty nice foundation in Oxford. And then on top of that, apparently the local community absolutely loves her. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures uh, of her yard when they got back from the NIT championship, a, a game in which they lost. And neighbors, I assume, uh, got one of those yard companies that, you know, they spell out stuff in your yard and things like that. You know, happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever. Um and they decided uh, to say it was like, congratulations, Coach Yo, no ceilings or something like that, which is her tagline. And a bunch of them greeted her when she got home 
to congratulate her, which was a really cool thing to see, by the way. Um, I know that's not why you did this, but if any of you that did this are listening, uh, that resonates in the coaching community. I promise it does. Uh, that's not why you did it. You did it because you you love your coach and your neighbor and um, friend, I assume. But that was really cool, and that speaks volumes about the kind of culture that currently exists there, which is really cool. Um, point being, long story short, there are a lot of things that are happening with Ole Miss athletics that you may not have noticed. And this is what I was talking with my friend about yesterday. You all love Lane Kiffin. And I have told you before that that decision to move on from Matt Luke and hire Lane Kiffin was met with some resistance, and it took some intestinal fortitude for Keith Carter to make that call. There were some influential people that did not want that to happen, and he did it anyway. So that took a lot of guts, and it was obviously the right move. And you guys are thrilled with the status of your football program, and you should be. Um, so far, Lane Kiffin is checking every single box, man. I mean, it's just awesome, and we've covered that extensively. Uh, your baseball team is ranked in the top four. They started 6-0 and in the SEC for the first time since Archie Manning played shortstop. But it's not just there. Uh, like I said, your women's basketball program is on, on the rise with seemingly a really good person coaching your team who is building a foundation, and they're probably – Barring injury, knock on wood, they've dealt with a lot of that in her tenure. That's a tournament team next year. Considering what she took over, that's remarkable. I know it wasn't a Keith Carter hire, but still, um, the bas- the women's basketball program's in great shape. Your tennis programs are always good. Your golf program is good. Your women's golf program especially is one of the best in the country. You have a softball program that is soon going to get a, a renovation of some kind. And this big fundraising campaign that I've told you about. I don't know when they're going to announce that. I have no idea. I know Vanderbilt announced one this week. Um, I don't know when Ole Miss is going to announce theirs. I know it's been in the works for a while. I know softball is going to be a part of it. Uh, Of course, football in the Manning Center in the stadium are also going to be a really significant part of that. Uh, But softball is included. But it's a program that hasn't really been good for a while, and you had a coach that had to leave or or was fired under weird circumstances, and then Keith Carter goes and hires a sitting Power 5 coach that had a team that was just absolutely rolling, and he hired her to coach at Ole Miss, a place that hadn't really cared about softball, and they just took a a series from a top-20 team this weekend in Georgia. So that program's obviously headed in the right direction. What I'm trying to say is even your men's basketball program, who underachieved this year, People are mad because they were the right win away from the NCAA tournament. I mean, the health is what I'm trying to say here, a long-winded way to say. Your athletic department is incredibly healthy right now. And when you consider what they just went through with COVID, with the NCAA, with football being a disaster, and the previous administration, a fan base that was completely checked out, didn't care, none of that stuff, Across the board, the athletic department's really, really healthy. And then whenever they get around to announcing this fundraising campaign, which is going to be significant, um, it's a poorly kept secret, at least it feels like, that that was part of the Lane Kiffin contract negotiations, uh, was facility improvements and stuff like that. So it will be coming soon. I don't know when. I've always assumed, it's just a guess on my part, that they were going to announce this project somewhere around the spring game when they have people in town or something like that. Maybe they'll do it around if they're able to do it, uh, the uh, the road trip that they haven't done. 
I, I'd be shocked if they can convince Lane Kiffin to sit on a bus and drive around the state, but that's just me. Maybe they'll let him take the jet for that. Um, that doesn't really seem like his uh, his kind of setting, but um, I know it's coming. And when you combine that with just, it feels like every program is in really good shape for the most part. Not every single one, but department-wide, you're in, you're really healthy right now. Really, really healthy. And I think a lot of that has to do with leadership. You've got good leadership right now. Obviously, somebody that knows how to make hires, that's for sure, um, is willing to do what's right, even if he's getting pressured by people that maybe have either ulterior motives or something like that. He's getting it done right now. He's getting it done. And that was something I was skeptical about because at the time it felt like more nepotism. But boy, was I wrong. So anyway, I was talking with a friend about that last night. Just how healthy that that you guys are right now. And uh, it's pretty cool to see. And speaking of healthy, uh, how about Doug Nikhazy this weekend, right? I mean, it, it's already Tuesday. By the time you guys are listening to this, it's probably going to be Tuesday afternoon. So you've seen and heard enough about the baseball program, I'm sure. However, um, what I was most impressed with this weekend, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, Auburn and Alabama are not very good. Uh, they're not very good. They're going to be around the bottom of the SEC West for a reason. But like I said, after they swept Auburn, I don't care uh, if it's the worst team in the SEC. Getting a sweep in an SEC weekend is always difficult to do, and you should always celebrate it. And now you've got a start, a 6-0 and start, that – all you have to do, and I said this on the radio Sunday and yesterday because I just love repeating myself, all Ole Miss has to do for the rest of the year, the rest of the year, is go 500 in SEC play. I think 18-12 and 12 is a national seat. That's all they got to do. They don't have to go steal a sweep somewhere, none of that stuff. They just have to play 500 baseball, and I think they're a national seat. Um, so just a good start doesn't even begin to describe it. It is um, – and like I said, what I was most impressed with, I, I didn't finish that thought. What I was most impressed with is how they won the games. Not that they won the games. I mean, if you'd have told me they swept Alabama, I wouldn't have been very surprised. They're better than Alabama. But it's how they did it. So first game on Friday, Hoagland was not bad, certainly not bad. He gave up three runs. It was three home runs, but not certainly not his best outing at all. And you go into the ninth down two runs and they just stayed in and they, they had really nice approaches after a day where they struggled um, and just hit the crap out of the ball and won a game like that, where they were down two runs going into the ninth after they didn't get a great performance from their starting pitcher. And then Doug Nikhazy comes in and he just looked like the Doug Nikhazy we all knew from last season. But they kept him on a pitch count, and he was limited. He only threw five innings, and yet after Doug Nikhazy, you got great performances from Drew McDaniel and Taylor Broadway, and you shut the door on Alabama and won a close game. And then the third game, you score 11 runs after you didn't really get the – it was, certainly wasn't bad by any stretch, so, so let's not get that twisted. In six innings on Sunday, if you give up three runs, you feel pretty good about your chance to win, but – it wasn't a perfect day from Diamond either. And then Austin Miller came in and gave up two runs immediately thereafter, and yet you still won the game and won comfortably. So 
it's a weekend in which your best pitcher didn't have his best game. Your next best pitcher could only pitch five innings because they were easing him back in due to injury. And yet you still swept. You swept because of offense. This is the same offense that couldn't score runs against UCF and couldn't score runs on Sunday against Louisiana Monroe. And you swept on the road in the SEC, a place or a team that Arkansas could not sweep. And you did it with offense mostly. Just an impressive weekend. I mean, what else is there to say? And now your next three series, I should say, um, they don't look as daunting because Florida just got swept by South Carolina. They're still really freaking good. If you can get one win this weekend, you leave Gainesville and you feel fine. Um, Arkansas at home, really good team. At least you get them at home. And Mississippi State's reeling right now after getting swept by the Hogs. I mean, they've got some problems, and they had a key injury this past weekend. So it's not as daunting. And because of how good your start is, if you can just manage to to win one on the road and two at home and then one on the road and come out of this four and five, you're still in unbelievable shape. And now it's only the first two weeks of the season. But when you look at the schedule, LSU's not as difficult looking as you thought it would be. Um, South Carolina, at least you get them at home. I know they beat Florida. Texas A&M is average at best. Georgia's bad. Uh, so you get a little break in your schedule here. Uh, I mean, just all good right now for Ole Miss baseball and um, Mike Bianco, who, by the way, you will hear right now. And that will end the podcast. This was short. Um, I know that. But I uh, just wanted to get to this Bianco interview. By the way, the game tonight uh, has been moved to Monday. So they will not play that game tonight. I guess it's weather-related. Um, but uh, no midweek game tonight, which is probably for the best. I mean, this is a really bad team they were going to play. I'd rather just them carry this momentum on to Gainesville, if it were me. Uh, so anyway, no game tonight. Uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, this weekend in Gainesville. I will do a Friday podcast reacting to Thursday's game. Uh, that will happen for sure. I know I didn't give you one Sunday, too much going on, but that will happen for sure uh, on Friday. And um, yeah, anyway, so you guys have a great week. You should feel good. You should feel really good about what's going on with your programs right now. And uh, here is uh, Mike Bianco with uh, with Richard Cross on our radio show yesterday. And that will end the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you. And um, I'll talk to you again probably tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the next one, and then I'll do one Friday. That's the plan for right now. So enjoy your interview with Coach, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. What did you take away from uh, from this weekend in Tuscaloosa for your ball club? Well, you know, I think the, the, the biggest thing was, you know, Doug, Doug was good. Uh, you know, he pitched on uh, game two, which was on Friday. We had to play doubleheader because of weather on Thursday. And uh, looked good. Uh, really commanded it well, all four pitches. And, you know, uh, as far as strength wise, you know, being in shape, I mean, he was, he, you know, probably threw the most velocity that he's thrown all year long, was up to 94 and, uh, just was really, really good. Uh, I thought Drew McDaniel was terrific, you know, out of the bullpen. 
which you know kind of give it gave us a little length, you know, and uh, especially you know after game one, you know, playing a doubleheader. Uh, but you know, we we just played well. You know, when we needed to pitch well, we pitched well. When we needed to uh, to, to to put some runs on the board, we were able to do that as well. I mentioned earlier, and I'd be curious your perspective on this. I thought all three starters were good, but maybe the the thing that was best about them was that when they got into trouble, they were able to kind of limit things and not allow uh, a messy inning to turn into a big inning. Is that an okay way to kind of characterize it? No, I think you're. you're I think you're spot on, and and it really, Richard, I think is the difference in why you know guys are good and guys you know are just average. You know, uh, you know the good guys are able to minimize, are able to you know, just give up a run and not give up you know that crooked number. They're able to you know make the pitch uh, and, and get off the field and and leave runners you know stranded out there, and uh, it's not by luck. You know, uh, you know it's it's you know over time. Yeah, you look at they they just seem to reach down deep and, and make those pitches and, and certainly you know our three guys did that this weekend. Defensively, were were you were you pleased? I, I think what was one error all weekend or maybe no errors this weekend? Yeah, I mean I thought we were yeah, really good and we've only made one error, I think, or uh, no, I think we were errorless this, this weekend, and we made it's one, one total in SEC play. Yeah, I think. I think we made it, and we actually uh, with an error in the infield when we were up uh, like uh, something like fourteen to nothing. And so I guess if you're going to make it, make it when when you're up by a lot. So uh, no, we you know for a team that's been probably uh, average over the twenty four games, you know, fielding the ball, uh, we we've been really good. Our our SEC numbers statistically. You know, really stand out. I think we're leading the SEC in hitting in SEC games. We're maybe fourth in pitching, and we're, I think, number one in defense. So we, we've played real well. So what happened in game one of the doubleheader? You didn't have a whole lot going offensively. Did you just press a button in the dugout, like the <laughs> let me press the right coaching button, and then all of a sudden you can go out and put an eight spot on the board? Uh, you know, I wish it was that easy, or I wish I had that button. You know, and uh, we'd probably press that button more often. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, we kept it close. Got a couple wind-dated home runs, you know, one true home run off Gunner, and then I think a couple wind-dated home runs. Uh, got it to 3-1, to one, and here we are in, a, in the ninth, get a guy on, and, of course, you have one of your best hitters in Chattanooga batting. He pops one out of the ballpark. And as the old adage is, you know, you've heard, you know, over the years, is hitting contagious, and it was. Uh, so we end up not just scoring two, but we end up scoring eight that inning uh, to really, you know, uh, extend the lead. And, uh, again, come back to game two. Uh, it was all pitching. It was all Doug and McDaniel and Broadway for the second time in one day. And then the next day we were really quiet, you know, until about the fifth inning. Tim hits the big double, kind of gets us going. And then after that, uh, really, you know, impressive, you know, offensive performance because not only did we score runs, uh, but we were able to answer when they scored. You know, and I think we scored from the fifth inning through the ninth. You know, for for five straight innings. I don't know if college baseball is unique in this. We we, we keep hearing so much discussion about the transfer portal in, in other sports and in, in football with guys moving on, and, and you know it happens in basketball. It's happening more and more. We don't seem to see it as much in baseball. And I'm thinking about one guy in particular when I mentioned that Tim Elko, who's had kind of a slow growth in his career. And, and my question really is about development here. So, so what is it that has allowed Tim Elko 
to grow from a guy that, that struck out a lot and looked like there was some potential but maybe didn't hit for great average and then, you know, last year gets off to a great start and then this season his numbers are just kind of video game like. Um, again, you know, it's a very difficult question and one if I knew the, the honest answer, uh, you know, we would make them all great when they're freshmen. But, you know, when you look back at Tim's, you know, his career, he gets here as a freshman and both him and Tyler Keenan are in the same recruiting class. And actually yeah. Tim came in with probably a little more, uh, accolades, if you will, or a little higher profile than, than Keenan did. Uh, but Keenan, when he got here, uh, just, looked like he was more ready to play and probably more of that had to do with just mentally you know i think tim lost a little confidence had a good fall uh but then lost a little confidence when we started the spring he wasn't playing every single day and and uh you know just kind of got behind the eight ball on you know a couple good teams there and uh you know luckily for us we had some other players that could fill those holes but tim's been really good for the last two years we just haven't seen it or you haven't seen it the fans haven't seen it just because we haven't played a lot of baseball in the last two years but if you ask the people in the northwoods league if you ask the people that are out at our fall scrimmages man tim's been a superstar for two years and uh you know uh but we're, we're glad he's finally doing it with a old this uniform you know in the, in the real games when he makes the transition to professional baseball, do you think he's a third baseman or a first baseman? I think he gives them the option now. You know, I you know I think defensively he's shown that he can play on the left side of the infield, but I also think he can play corner outfield. You know, for a big guy, he runs pretty well. You know, he runs under a seven sixty, uh, and you know that's you know for for a guy that's six four two twenty five. You know that that's moving pretty good, uh, but I think he gives you know the team that drafts him a lot of options. But I, I think uh, he's impressed not only us, but I think the pro scouts that he can play third base. No, you've got a game against uh, against UNA tomorrow afternoon. Then you turn your attention to Florida. How much have you kind of dug into this Florida team? And from a scouting report standpoint, uh, obviously they're not one of where they want to be from a record wise, kind of out of the gate in the SEC. But it's a pretty talented ball club. It is, and it really, from a scouting report, nothing. You know, I've seen them. Uh, we're fortunate because of the SEC network, and there's so many games that you know I've, I've you know watched bits and pieces of their games, and you know they they uh, they got Mace and Leftwich the, the the front end of the rotation, and uh, a freshman pitching on game three. Uh, they're always going to have a, uh, a bevy of pitchers, you know, in the bullpen. Uh, offensively, you know, statistically, they're they're very similar to us. About thirty home runs, hitting about the same, about the same amount of runs scored, and, and so on. Uh, and it's a tough place to play in a new ballpark. You know, Gainesville. Uh, they they always uh, Florida always plays well at home, and I'm anxious to see their ballpark. But as far as the scouting report, we play so many games, we 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 can't afford to look, you know four or five days in advance. There's still not too much in front of us. Final thing for you. You call the pitches. You work so much with the pitchers and and have a feel for that. What goes into developing a game plan on how you want to pitch an opponent? Wow. Well, I think one, you know, Chris Cleary um, is in charge. He's our coach that's in charge of you know, gathering and scouting reports. So he'll, he'll reach out to schools that they play. Uh, we're allowed to share information inside the conference. So, like, we can call schools, you know, that have already played University of Florida. Uh, and he starts to get an idea of what they say, how they pitched them, what was effective, what, what wasn't. And then uh, we have a great program that really, you know, evolved from basketball called Synergy. Uh, 
that really uh, has all their games, all their pitchers, all their hitters, and it's all sorted uh, and already cut up. So it's not like you're getting a game film and having to cut up each hitter. So I can sit there and watch literally uh, 15 at bats, you know, of you know Judd Fabian, and and watch you know the University of Florida 15 at bats, all their starters, and do it in about a couple hours. When before it would take me a couple hours just to get one game in, and so it's a little more efficient. It's very expensive, but a little more efficient. And uh, uh, and again, so I'll do that, and I'll try to write down how I think we should pitch him, and then compare it to the notes that Cleary comes up with. And then all our pitchers will watch one game of them, you know, live, uh, you know, well on tape, you know, to 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 see what you know and chart a game, kind of keep them locked in, so they at least visually see each each hitter. Interesting process. I can't ever decide where you're going to go when you say "wow" after I ask a question. <laughs> so, always appreciate your time. Great weekend, and uh, look forward to following along this week as uh, you got a, a Tuesday afternoon home game and then a road trip to Gainesville. Thanks so much, Coach. Thanks, Richard. See you. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.